Jesus spoke about money more than heaven, hell, or prayer. In this series, we'll take a look at several of the things he said about money and how they apply to our life today. So we're simply approaching it with the other series ideas we've done of Jesus said statements. We're looking at some things that Jesus said about our money. And we began the series when Jesus said, hey, beware, guard against every kind of greed. And we agreed in part one that we do need to do that because we live in a greedy culture. We live in a world that says you need more, you need more, you need new, and you need more no matter what you have. And so we we came up with two answers to our problem. And in part one, we talked about how we need to say no and give more. If we say no, even if we can afford something, it helps guard our hearts because just having the money doesn't always solve the problem. You can have the money buy a whole lot of stuff and fall in love with your stuff. It's not just a question of can you afford it, it's a question of should we, because what is this going to do to my heart? That was part one, if you missed it, as I said, you can go and hear that. So if you were here for part one, we spent all of the time talking about say no, and I told you we would talk later about give more. Well, everybody, I'd like to welcome you to later. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about what Jesus said about giving more. And as I I do this, I already know just just getting started, that talking about giving more is uncomfortable, sometimes more so in church than anywhere else. And uh, look, I'm going to try to make it as easy as I can for everybody today, but the reason that it's harder sometimes to talk about giving more is because we're not all in the same place when it comes to giving. We're all in the same place when it comes to getting. We're very good at that. We've been getting trained to get since we were kids. I mean, think back to Christmas as a five-year-old. You, you couldn't wait to wake up and find out what you were getting for Christmas. You did not think once about what you were supposed to give anybody for Christmas at five. You didn't think about what you're supposed to give your parents. Matter of fact, at five years old, if your parents didn't get something on their own, it was Santa's fault, not yours. You were totally good with what I'm getting. It was all about what I could get. And if you remember in elementary school when you'd have a birthday party and your parents would say, who do you want to come to your party? You named every human soul that you knew. Every kid in your class, even the ones you didn't like. Why? Because they were going to bring you a gift. You were going to get more. The more kids who came, the more that you got. And it wasn't until you were like 11 or 12 that you finally started to figure out, you know, there are some people in the world that are just not worth the gift they're bringing. Like, they're just annoying. And having to have them at your party, it's just not worth it. So you finally started being a little selective. But the truth is, we are good at getting. We're not all equally good at giving. Some of us, we do okay, and it's because there is a spiritual gift of giving. The Bible tells us that for some people, the Holy Spirit motivates you in a way to give. You wake up in the mornings, you are as excited to give money away as I am excited to teach the Bible. That's pretty exciting. This is what I love to do more than anything. But not everybody has that gift. But some of us are okay with giving because we grew up fairly secure. Like our parents were generous. There was always enough. We just saw it. We're okay with that. We just believe there will be enough. The problem is that that's not everybody's story. Statistically, those with the spiritual gift of giving, it's a minority, a small minority actually. And many of us, we grew up with harder stories. We grew up where we didn't know if we'd have enough for the meals and the bills, and a lot of time we were just praying for the money for those. And so giving can be a little bit tougher. And yet, we all know, even non-Christians know, that the Bible says we're supposed to be abundant and cheerful givers. So what do we do when giving is not easy and doesn't come very natural to us? Well, we're going to start with something Jesus said. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 20. And we're going to start in verse 35 where we have this simple statement by Jesus. He said, it is more 
blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And as I think about this statement, I don't know about you, but it's a little bit challenging. I mean, when you read this, you almost kind of wonder, is this one of those uh, faith statements, Christianese kind of things that people say, like you, you stand in church and you say, God is good, even though your life is a mess, you know, that kind of thing. It's just something you're supposed to say in church, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. But a lot of us would honestly struggle to really do this. Like, don't raise your hands. But if right now I gave you the choice, to either get up and walk across the room and give someone $1,000 or to stay in your seat and let someone come give you $1,000. I don't think the equation is going to be 50-50. I think there will be a lot of us just kind of sitting there going, "Mm -hmm, I can't wait, you know. The, The truth is we know Jesus said it, but we're having a little bit of a time struggling with it. We'd never call Jesus a liar or confused, but I don't know, Jesus, I kind of like getting. Matter of fact, I've had some incredible stories of getting and receiving, and I was so blessed. I mean, like the word blessed, you use the word blessed. I just don't understand how the equation could go the other way. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll give you a story that just one of many. My life is one of been so many times that people have just given us stuff and blessed us that I've got like a whole journal full of just all of the times that we've been blessed to receive. So the idea that I've got the equation backwards in my life, I don't know, because it just looks like it's fun when somebody blows your mind and tells you how much they love you, right? So like over 20 years ago, my wife and I had our first child, and so we do what parents do when you have your first child, and that is go get a minivan. Because all good parents have a minivan. So we went and got a minivan. And uh, we only had one child. We didn't need a minivan. But eventually, we did need a minivan because my wife and I liked each other. (laughs) Y'all got that. The other services have really struggled with that one, but that's okay. And so what happened over the life of this van is it died a slow death. Our family had gotten large enough we couldn't fit into a car. And so if we wanted to go somewhere all together, we had to go in our van. The problem is our van had reached a point we only trusted it to take us on a family trip to the grocery store. Anywhere else, not so sure of. The problem is I had switched careers from teaching to pastoring and Grace Life was a very fledgling church at the time. There were days where we didn't even know if there would be a Grace Life next week. I didn't plan six-part series because I wasn't sure we had six Sundays in a row. We were going to stay open. I was probably making about what I did or less than what I did as a teacher. So the idea of replacing our van, well, there just wasn't much hope. And then God blessed us. What happened is six of our friends got together and, and they took up money. Like just the six of them. And they, don't, they didn't put in $20 bills because there were only six of them. And the six of them started putting in four digits. And they bought us a van. Like they bought us a van. And this was like, well, you could push a button on the little key thing and the doors opened, you know? I mean, like, wah! And we actually put it in reverse the first time we were driving it home. And the little thing came up telling us what's behind the van. I realize every car does that now. But this wasn't normal back then. And we were absolutely blown away and blessed at the goodness of God in that moment. And I think many of you would talk about somebody treating you to dinner or giving you a vacation or doing something like what I just talked about. And you'd say, wow, Jesus, I don't know. I think it's pretty blessed to receive. And my stories are abundant. So how am I supposed to get that equation reversed in my life? Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
So first of all, I want to clarify. Jesus is not saying that you are wrong to receive, that you are wrong to receive when you're in need especially. What he is saying is that if you have a choice between sharing what you've been given or collecting more and more for yourself, it's more blessed to share. That is what he's trying to say. So I want to make sure nobody feels bad for being blessed like my wife and I were with the van, okay? But still, I think many of us would say this sounds like something we're supposed to say, but struggle a little bit to live with. So I think somebody in the crowd that day when Jesus said this raised a hand and said, excuse me. Sounds good. Sounds a little spiritual. Can you prove it? So today what I feel like we should do is actually let Jesus prove it. Let's look at what scripture says about how we are more blessed to give that thousand dollars across the room than to sit in our seats and get it. You guys with me? So as I look throughout scripture, what I'm going to teach you today are the four truths from the kingdom of God. You may come up with more, there may be more, but I feel like I was able to get them down to four categories of how, according to God, our lives are going to be better off when we give. And the first one of these is that we make a difference. We make a difference, meaning our lives matter. Something has changed because of us. We make a difference in people's lives. We make a difference in God's glory upon the earth. Matter of fact, how many of you can remember this story? Everybody in here I know can. At some point in your childhood, you went to your parents and you asked for money. And every one of us, at least at one time in our lives, heard the response from our parents. Well, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, right? Come on, raise your hand if your parents told you money doesn't grow on trees at least once in your life. See, we've all heard that. And here's the truth. They're right. Money does not grow on trees, nor does it fall from clouds like rain. So here's the problem we have. Even though God made the trees and God made the clouds, what happens when somebody cries out to God? God, I need you. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for my kid's college, or I don't know how I'm going to pay for this operation, or God, my retirement fund is gone, and it's time for me to retire. God, what are you going to God, your word says you're Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. God! How does an invisible God, a spiritual God in heaven, meet a natural need upon the earth? Through his people on that natural earth. It turns out that you and I are the conduit for God's blessing on the earth. We are the conduit for God's blessing. The way that God in heaven answers prayers on the earth is through his people upon the earth. And let me give you a little illustration over here. Some of you might have thought that I just wanted to redecorate the stage today and it need a little more greenery than it had before. But you know, this is actually an illustration here, as you can tell by this sad little leaf turning yellow and wilting over here, that, that this is a plant in need of water. And in this hose is plenty of water. And um, just for the record, I did a splash zone in the last service. (laughs) But those chairs were empty, so I can't do it this service. So God bless you. But anyway, back to the point. Back to the point. I I think you can already see where this illustration is going. See, there is always a need somewhere upon the earth. There's always someone who is crying out to God for an answer. And then there is always a flow of God's provision that is never stopping. Right now, there is a constant flow of water in this hose. And you and I are this. You see, we get to decide if God's blessings answer prayers and flow out upon needs on the earth or if it stops. 
You see, many people might pray and, uh, man, that just never does what it's supposed to do there. And they hope that when they say, God, would you help me that an angel is going to show up with a suitcase full of dollar bills. Look, let me just tell you something. That's just not biblical. You can't pray that anymore. Look, there is an angel named Michael. He's going to show up and do spiritual warfare. If you want to tell the devil to go away, you can call Michael to come and smack him with a sword. And if you need to hear from God, there's Gabriel. He, he sends messages. There is no biblical example of an angel that shows up with suitcases of money. It's just not there. But what is biblical is that you and I deliver God's blessings to people. See, what we actually do is we make an invisible God visible to a hurting world. We make an invisible God visible to a hurting world. We make the blessings and the goodness of God visible in this world. Matter of fact, it's one of the many reasons that God has blessed us. Check this out. Scripture says that you and I will be enriched in every way to have a great life. Y'all put that back on the screen there. You and I will be enriched in every way. I do want to just clarify, I said it in part one. I'm going to say it again. I might say it in every single part. One of the reasons that God has blessed you is to enjoy your life. That is also in Scripture. It's all throughout Scripture. God has blessed you to enjoy your life. It's just not the only reason. And what you just saw is there is another reason. We are enriched in every way to be generous in every way. We are the conduit of God's blessing. There are hurting people. And God wants to meet those needs. Now check out what happens when we do that. It says that we are enriched in every way to be generous in every way so that through what we do, it produces thanksgiving to God. Here's what's amazing. They'll look at you and they'll say thank you, but then they will run away and say, God, I praise you, I worship you. You answered my prayer. You did this in my life. You met a need no one else ever could. God, you're amazing. And so if you have ever heard someone tell you this before, The chief end of mankind upon the earth is to bring glory to God. So when we simply take some dollar bills that God has given us, we meet a need. They turn and give glory to God, and our lives now have meaning. We make a difference in this world. It is all better because we have allowed God to work through us. We've become a partner in the process of what he's doing upon the earth. And that leads us to the second reason that we are more blessed is because when we partner with God, he turns around and rewards us. Crazy. God rewards us. This is what scripture says. Where am I? There I am. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends, check that word out, lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Whatever we are doing for someone else, God is giving us credit as though we are doing it directly to him. Whoever's generous to the poor lends to the Lord. I want to go ahead and and tell you, look, this is not a one-to-one numeric equation with a deadline on it. Please do not, like, go get your own ledger book and start writing, I gave $10 on Monday, God better give me $10 by Sunday. No, it it doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you the truth, it usually works the other way in our favor. It is this principle right here that you will hear Christians who have been generous tell you, you just can't outgive God. You can try. But every time that you give to meet that need, every time you become the the nozzle that is flowing and you are allowing God's goodness to to answer a prayer, God looks and says, oh, I can trust you. I can use you. You're going to change the world as I bless you. Then God just keeps blessing. You truly can't outgive God because he gives us credit as though we're doing it to him for what we did to someone else. If you think that's one obscure Old Testament passage, how about another thing Jesus said? 
He gave us a picture of what it's going to be like at the final judgment. There will be rewards in heaven for how we lived our lives upon the earth. He gathered two groups of people, one on his right, one on his left. This is what he said to the group on the right. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, "Um, Lord, I don't remember that. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink or naked and clothe you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Isn't that the craziest thing in the world? God enriches us. He gives to us. When we share even a portion of that to a human in need, He gives us credit as though we just gave it to him and rewards us both on earth and in heaven, which leads us to number three. Because here on earth, he takes it to another level. The third way that we are more blessed to give is because we are blessed more. Did y'all get that? We are blessed more in order to give more. Let me share with you one other statement Jesus made about giving. He says, give and it'll be given to you. Give and it'll be given to you. And then he gives a word picture that honestly we don't understand very well in our culture. So I'm gonna come back and explain it. He says, a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. For with the measure that you use, what God has given you to be a part of what God's doing on the earth, it's going to be given back to you with that same measure. You do understand that that principle gets turned upside down equally. For with the measure that you use only for yourself, the measure will be given to you only what you need for yourself. But to the measure that we use it to be a part of God's process, to that measure, he's given more. Let's go look at that word picture. I had somebody come to me after the service Uh, last service and said, you know, I've been a Christian for 40 years and I've never understood that. He said, I just thought that was one of those Christianese sayings. And and, uh, the truth is, I know that is the case for many of us. Some of us, we've heard the songs. We actually sing it in songs. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Here's what that means. For you and me, when we go shopping at the store today, if you go buy a bag of flour, you get a bag of flour. It's sealed on both ends. The amount is already set and you don't get to argue with anybody at Kroger. If you go to Starbucks and buy a bag of coffee, it's sealed on both ends. The amount is already set. You don't get to argue with anybody at Starbucks. That's why we don't understand this word picture. But see, when Jesus was talking and when he was on the earth, people had to go to an open market where people sometimes would try to cheat. Matter of fact, Jesus confronted their cheating a lot, talking about the the measures and the scales and the different things they would do to try and steal a little bit. And so the idea when you would go and and buy a cup of something or a quart or whatever it is, they would pour some in. And I want everybody to imagine what it would be like because most of you are coffee drinkers, so you get this picture. In the morning when you get up and you pour your coffee uh, grind grounds, is that what they are? Because I'm a tea drinker, I don't know. And and you pour that coffee stuff into the coffee filter, it creates a little mountain, doesn't it? And even if the little mountain of coffee is as high as your coffee filter, there's still a whole lot of room around it. So the idea of a good measure is a full measure, meaning a good measure is when it has all that it can have. Well, the problem is, is they would pour something out in the market and they'd create that little mound. The person would say, that's not a good measure, man. There's still room. You know how you get more room? You take that little coffee filter thingy and you tap it on the counter and you shake it a little bit 
shaken together, pressed down, and suddenly it starts to flatten out and make room for more. And so then in the market, the person, now that you've, you've shaken it and you've pressed it down, be like, nope, not a good measure. They would have to pour more in it. And then you could do that again. You could press down, shaking together, and then you'd get to where you'd finally get to the line that you and the person would agree, okay, that, that's a good measure. That's full. And God says, the guy in the market might give you a good measure. I'm going to go beyond it. I'm not stopping at the line. I'm going to keep pouring until it is literally flowing over and running into your lap. With the measure that you're willing to be generous, I'm going to be so generous, it's going to make a mess. How cool is that? And then we end with this. The fourth reason that we are more blessed to give is because our hearts are protected. And don't underestimate the importance of this. The Bible tells us above all else, guard your heart. Because your heart directs your entire life. So keeping your heart safe is hugely important. Think about this. We have a problem. We have a good problem, but we have a problem. We have a good God who blesses us. And the more that we get, the more we will be tempted to love what we get. And he's going to keep blessing us. So we've got a struggle there. We also have a struggle because the more that we get, the more that we're responsible to God to do with it what he intends. So we need to just admit to ourselves today, if everybody could imagine just looking in the mirror right now and saying, my heart is in danger in this material world. We just, we just need to know that. As humans, with a good God who blesses us, our hearts are in danger in a material world. So we need to protect our hearts. How do we protect our hearts? By giving. Because our hearts are never unaffected. I need you to hear that truth today. Your heart is never unaffected. When you get paid, when you go shopping, when you do whatever, when you look at your bank accounts numbers, our hearts do not stay perfectly in the middle. They are always affected. That means that you look at something and your heart is drawn towards materialism or your heart is drawn towards generosity. It's an either or. It never stays in the middle. Matter of fact, Jesus told us this. One more Jesus said statement for the day. He said, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So the only way to protect your heart is to check out where you're putting your treasure. You see, if your treasure keeps filling your closet and your garage, then your heart is going to be in love with what's in your closet and in your garage. But if your treasure is in the smiles on other people's faces as you make a difference in their lives and answer prayers, if that's where your treasure is, then that's where your heart will be. And here's what happens. You see, as you and I give, it changes our desire to give. We're responsible for our desire. But as we do that, God changes our ability to give. He's responsible for that. Because he says time and time again, with the measure you use, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to take credit as though you did it to me, and I'm going to repay you for what you just did for them. God changes our ability, but you and I are responsible to change our desire. So what do we do to make a practical change? As I said, some people have the spiritual gift of giving. Some of you love to give. So you've been just cheering on this whole time saying, yes, God, yes, God, help whoever is struggling with giving. But some of us, well, we need to grow in the area of giving. And so very practically, I've got one thing that I want to show you. I want to actually back up in this passage that we read by Jesus. Some of you caught the fact that I said our Jesus said statement comes from Acts. If you're new to church, 
This is the only statement Jesus ever made outside of the four Gospels. Everything that Jesus said was recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, if you go in jeopardy and win money over what I just told you, you have to share it with me. Because the reason this is in Acts is it's not a story of Jesus doing something. It's a story of the Apostle Paul doing something and quoting Jesus. And so here's what the Apostle Paul says. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He's actually confronting a mindset that they had that I would venture to say every one of us has. And that is when someone tells you your salary, you start doing the math in your head of how you can meet your needs and your wants. None of those people, and I would bet not many of us, would say when people tell me my salary, I think of my needs and I think of my wants and I think of how much I can give away. Most of us, that's just not where we are just yet. Who would work overtime just to give it all away? Paul did. That's literally what he's saying. You saw these hands of mine have worked, not just to meet my needs, but others' needs. As a matter of fact, I worked hard to meet their needs. Let me tell you what was literally going on. Paul was a tent maker, like literally made tents, needle and thread, animal skins and cloth, made tents. So if you could just imagine that maybe if Paul worked for a week and he made one tent, let's say that's the equivalent of what he needs. What he is saying is that he's stuck around longer every single day to make a second tent, maybe a third tent, knowing it wasn't for him. He wasn't getting paid for that. He was going to give it all away. Seriously, crazy, working overtime to not get any of it. Let me just ask you a, a crazy question. Imagine you get a job and you go to work and on your first day, the boss looks at you and says, hey, welcome, so glad to have you here. Let me tell you how it works here. We work an eight hour day. I will pay you for the first four hours that you work, but I will not pay you for the last four hours that you work. I will take the money that you earned and I will give it to someone else in need, but you don't get it. Now, if this is tomorrow, the day after I preach this, most of you would stick around and do all eight hours. Let's be for real. How many of us are gonna work eight hours every single day knowing we only get half? I think at some point we're going to be like, you know what? Whoever's getting this half is welcome to come and take my spot on this assembly line or whatever it is. I'm out of here. After four hours, man, I've done enough. You know, it's, it's Friday after all, you know, casual Friday, go home early Friday, get your four hours and leave. Some of you would say, well, I'll be a good Christian. I'll work a five hour shift every single day, five hours. I mean, that's like 20% extra. God only gets 10 and they're getting 20. That's good enough. Five hours. How many of us would truly do what Paul did? See, that's where I think as the people of God upon the earth to show God's goodness and God's blessings, we need a little bit of a mindset change. We need to start the question and the idea of what I make, what can I give? I go to work just so that I can share and meet some needs in the world. That we no longer start thinking of 100% of my salary is for me. Some of you, if you budget, 
You, you can take a little line item right there and start setting aside an amount of money. Maybe it's $10 a month, $100 a month, thousand, I don't know, whatever you and God talk about. And just begin, imagine what it'll be like when you walk in a grocery store and you see a single mom with three kids and she tells her child, put that back, we don't have money for that. But you know your budget does. And it's there, it's ready to be spent. Now some of you, if you don't budget, you should. That's, that's another day's message. But maybe you're just one of those free spirits. And so look, you can do the same thing when you go with your free spirit itself to the bank and, and you get some money out, you put some in your left pocket for you. You also get some cash and you put it in the other pocket for them. And, and you know that the money in that pocket is not for you. And when you walk through a grocery store and you see that picture, you know that you can make a difference. It's that simple. It's all I'm gonna suggest we start doing is wherever you are, if it's zero, start at five or 10. If it's 100 already, see what God would challenge you to do. Is to stop thinking I work for me and only for me. But actually, God has given me health. God has given me a job. God has blessed me. And so I can be like Paul. I can make some for me. I can even make some to enjoy my life because God said that's okay. But I can set aside this amount of what I make to change this world for the glory of God. Amen. It is very difficult to preach a message like this without someone hearing. We give to get. Because that's the truth. We do get when we give. God blesses us. But that's not the point. And I want to encourage you, don't let that get into your heart. Don't let it ever become the motivation. We do not give in order to get. We give to make an invisible God visible to a hurting world. We give because God has given us more than we could ever deserve a repay. Think about your life. Think about your homes. Think about your cars. Think about the meals we eat and the vacations we take. God has blessed us. And that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about life itself. I'm talking about forgiveness. I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about God being such a giver that he sent his son to die in your place. We don't give to get. We give because we've been given more than we could ever deserve or repay. Amen?